0: Hey, folks, it's Doug Thornell, and welcome to another edition of The Electables. Uh, I'm joined by my producer, Michael Peliquin. Michael, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, doing well. Recording on a Friday. <laughs> Always good to record on Fridays. Well, you know, look, we, we've got a, a, a great guest, a, a really special guest with us today um, joining us, Joe Salmonese, who is the CEO of the 2020 Democratic National Convention. Uh, Joe is a longtime strategist. Uh, he ha- he's been a partner at his own firm. Uh, he was uh, the president of the Human Rights Campaign and CEO of Emily's List, uh, one of the nation's largest political action committees. Um, and um, uh, he was recently with Planned Parenthood Federation of America, uh, and he's also also an author of the Gift of Anger, which was published in 2016. So, Joe, uh, welcome to the Electables. We're we're really excited to have you. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm glad to be here. Glad this week is coming to an end. Not that it feels like <laughs> weeks end weeks end anymore, um, but but this has been an, uh, an active one. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, why don't you talk to us about this week? What What exactly, for our listeners who um, may not necessarily uh, be uh, totally keyed into what's happening in politics, um, although there's very few of them, I imagine, listening to this, yeah. what, what exactly, um, what happened this week?
1: Well, this week... Uh, We made an announcement on Wednesday afternoon that uh, we were going to be asking the 5,700 delegates who are, you know, really the cornerstone of convention activity not to come to this year's Democratic National Convention. And that, you know, is obviously something, uh, a decision point that started way back when COVID hit. Uh, as, As some of you all may remember, the first change that we made to the convention was to delay it five weeks in hopes that that might enable us to have, you know, the convention as we have all traditionally understood it to be. But as the weeks went on and as we did scenario planning and consulted with public health experts and epidemiologists and whatnot, it just became increasingly clear that we weren't going to be able to accommodate the number of people that that we had hoped to. and so. Uh, this was the week that we had to uh, make that announcement. And, um, you know, that sort of announcement for people who have their hearts set on going to conventions and all through the Democratic Party infrastructure was a seismic one.
0: And remind folks, the convention will take place when?
1: So the convention will uh, take place between August 17th and the 20th.
0: Great. And... the um I think it's a you know I, as you pointed out a, a lot of these delegates you know it, traditionally they come to the host city but um, there are some really special aspects of this convention that are taking place um, that will make it very unique. Um, do you want to go over that and how you guys have sort of reconfigured what this is going to look like maybe reimagined what a sure. convention is going to look like?
1: Yeah. And, and, and to some extent, I think this is stuff that we've been thinking about for almost a year because, uh, I'm somebody, you know, been to every democratic convention since 1988. I'm one of those rare people who I like them. I like to be at them. I think they're exciting. I think they're fun. But for the vast majority of Americans who watch it from home, I think, you know, a great deal of it is sort of party activity and, you know, nominating and adopting rules and platforms and whatnot. And, and, and there are not nearly as many moments as I think there probably should be uh, of television time that actually, uh, you know, kind of move the needle, right. And, and, and have maximum impact in terms of who we need out there across the country. And so we thought about I think the show, you know, we thought about four nights of programming in a much more innovative way this time, even before COVID. Uh, And so now that you know, we're essentially left with the show, uh, you know, I think we we were we're well placed in terms of, you know, how we finds going on following unfold. You may have read that while we're going to be anchored in Milwaukee, we're going to try to go to maybe, you know, six or so remote locations around the country. Uh, I think that you know, we're going to do what I hope will be a creative roll call of the states, uh, but 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 we're thinking of it as, you know, something that you would turn on and watch and you know kind of weave your way through over the course of a number of nights and come out the other end, uh, you know, m- knowing more and much more inspired by Joe Biden and his running mate and really fired up to vote for them. So, um, and, and the other thing that I would add is that I think we've also thought about the fact that you know presidential elections tend to come down to a small number of states and an even smaller number of people in those states and so how do we um you know sort of across digital platforms and through um other kinds of promotional activity uh you know how do we connect with those people uh in an even more meaningful way than we have in the past
0: can you walk us through um what you did the first month on the job, uh, you know, what was that like? Building the convention <laughs> from scratch. Uh, what you walk, and then also, I'd love to hear sort of walking through the integration that occurs between you know the 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 convention, which was up and running or uh, functional before we had a nominee, and now we have a nominee, and obviously the partnership between the nominee and the convention is very important. Sure. But I'd love to hear just sort of like walk us through that first first month month on a job on the job
1: yeah so the interesting thing about this job is right it's a one-year run more or less uh you start you build a 70 million dollar thing and then you know in the blink of an eye it's over and <laughs> so um that has it's th- like the I, olympics I say that. It's, it's sort of like the olympics except you know a smaller budget and a shorter time span but i say that because right. um the you know and so if you've never done it before, uh, the first month I really spent a lot of time just learning stuff like what are the buildings, you know, like looking at a map of Milwaukee and you know where is the convention center and where is City Hall and how far is it from you know one end to the other and how many hotel rooms are there and you know where else can we get hotel rooms and you know how long does it take a bus to get from Lake County, Illinois to Milwaukee? It's it's a lot of just kind of learning the terrain you know and then the other stuff is is really just learning what goes into it you know i mean there's everything from learning about you know lighting and sound and production and um to to you know like working with the secret service on security and cyber security and then you know all of the things you you know like the local politics and labor issues and who's who and uh, you know, Milwaukee had never hosted a convention before, so uh, everything was new to them as well. So it was really the first month was a lot more just learning and and kind of level setting for me, um, you know, around what and how Milwaukee was going to work um, than, you know, I probably expected it to be.
0: So you said it was it's a 70 million dollar uh, enterprise. How many staffers do you guys have on? Um, how many staffers do you guys have now?
1: So we have about uh, seventy-six. Oh wow! Uh, yeah.
0: Um, and can you explain uh, the 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 relationship between the DNCC and then the uh, host committee, like the Milwaukee host committee? I, I is 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 sure. there they're separate entities? That's right. Yeah,
1: they're they're separate yeah. entities, and so. Um, you know when when cities make the decision to bid on a convention they form a host committee and uh, as you may have read last year the three cities that uh, formed host committees to bid on this were miami houston and milwaukee uh, and and then when the city is picked the host committee becomes the kind of the local entity that raises the money to put on the convention you know it's a it's a civic civic entity it's a 501c6 that um you know is really charged with raising the funds to put the the event on and then also you know any of the sort of local outreach and engagement whether it's volunteer recruitment or um you know talking about what the economic impact will be to the city talking about um you know who's coming to the city and working with you know like sort of tourism and the hotels whereas the dncc uh, you know, which is what I run is the political arm. You know, we we're the people that are in charge of everything that happens when you turn on your television and see that convention stage. You know, we're in charge of the the politics and the program and um and the show, as it were, and and, and the delegates, right? The the business that's connected to the actual work of the convention.
0: And how has the Uh, integration between you and the Biden campaign um, gone so far?
1: Uh, It's been really wonderful. I, you know, I I, um, wasn't sure when I took this job, when we would have a presumptive nominee or whether it would be, you know, if you remember, not too long ago, we thought we were going to have a very crowded field very late into the spring. Uh, And and that, you know, would have been a i think a complexity in the midst of all of this but uh you know as vice president biden became the nominee you know there were an awful lot of people on that campaign who i've known for years and worked with for a long time and so um it's been a really seamless working relationship since the biden folks have um you know integrated into the campaign planning and you know quite frankly in the midst of this pandemic it's been um uh, you know it's it's been really heartening because as we're trying to you know sort of plan for this convention in completely you know unnavigated territory they're attempting to run for president in the same environment and so we're kind of going through this all together uh and, and and i think you know there is strength in numbers and it is it, it it feels really good to be working alongside the biden folks because um you know if, if you if you work for joe biden or you're around joe biden you very likely espouse joe biden's values and you know those are the kind of people that i like to work with so
0: yeah and you know people forget that joe biden secured the nomination sooner than um his boss uh president obama uh and uh hillary clinton and um to the uh you know i know that i know their their campaign was taking heat uh before you know certainly before South Carolina and Iowa but uh, you know I think what they were able to accomplish was uh, historic and uh, the wins that they were able to put together the way they were able to um you know turn things around after Iowa and after New Hampshire I think we haven't seen anything like that really um and it's a testament to their campaign it's a testament to Joe Biden as a candidate um, what do you um? You mentioned that your first campaign, or I'm sorry, your first convention was 1988, and if I if I that was uh, Atlanta uh, when right. uh, we nominated uh, Michael Dukakis. What were some? Yep. What are some of your most vivid memories of that convention?
1: Uh, you know, it's funny. So I've talked about that a lot since I took this job. I worked for him right out of college. Uh, I had just graduated from college two years before. And I, I was working for him as the governor of Massachusetts, I, I went to school in Boston. And, and so there was an opportunity for some of us from the, the state house, you know, from the governor's office to join the, uh, the presidential campaign team, to go down and work on the convention, some of us who had, um, you know, I worked in the governor's scheduling office, and so, so who had more, um, you know, sort of, op, kind of logistical and operational jobs with, with the family. Uh, and, and what I have talked about a lot because i just i think it's been so interesting for me is um you know that we we did that convention before computers and before cell phones and so um, i always remember that the headquarters hotel where the dukakis family was staying was the hyatt and we worked every single 24 hours in the basement in the basement the basement at a typewriter with no cell phones and <laughs> you know my job was to um Kind of work with their family and and uh, think about who was going to sit in their family box every night. And you know, we would go upstairs to the where they were staying, and we'd write down lists of names of people on pieces of paper. And we'd have to be really innovative about finding their addresses. I remember Coretta Scott King was one of the guests one night, and you know, you literally thought, well, here's a piece of paper that's an invitation for Coretta Scott King to come sit in this box. You know someone had to get in a car and go drive around and find her and give her the invitation and make sure she was coming. And, uh, and, and, uh, I think about that a lot, you know, about how we were able to do all that with, um, you know, none of the technology that we have today.
0: And that, that convention will be remembered, uh, in part, uh, I think the, the, there are t- a couple of things that I remember about that convention: the Ann Richards famous silver foot in his mouth speech. Yep. <laughs> um, I think Jesse Jackson gave a stem winder of a speech as well. That was fantastic. Um, and uh, and and Dukakis left Atlanta with a s- very significant lead over George Bush. Um, yep. I believe it, it was a double digit, uh, maybe even you know high high teens lead over. Uh, over uh President Bush at the time, um what do you think makes a good convention?
1: uh you know that's a good question, and I think that the i, I think the storyline is important, you know I think uh there are conventions that have some memorable moments, the ones that you mentioned or even in sixteen, remember the Kazir Khan family or other moments right. in the convention that are really, uh, you know, impactful and 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 leave an impression on people. But I think that the storyline from start to finish uh, and and thought going into the storyline, so that if you, you know, if you sort of take the weekend, you know, in its whole, you 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 come away from it um, if they if we've done our job the right way, um, you know, with a better understanding of the candidate with an understanding of, you know, what they stand for and where they want to take the country and with a, you know, with a conviction that you agree with them and you're going to support them. Um, and uh, I think, you know, this, the different convention, I think there, there are different things as I think over the years that, that are sort of cross currents to that, right? Like, um, you know, I think uh, one of the years I thought the Republicans did a pretty good job unfolding that storyline and i think it was gosh it was either like a hurricane and they didn't know whether to cancel one of the nights and um you know oh was that mccain i think it was mccain yeah um you know or the sarah you know i thought even the mccain sarah palin convention i thought they had some you know like a compelling storyline and then sarah palin sort of um i don't know i they 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 announced her, there's something about the way like she, she sort of overshadowed the storyline. So I think there's an awful lot of cross currents that, you know, obviously, this year, COVID, um, you know, is one and, and, and I also think, you know, what's happening outside and what's happening in the streets has the potential, I think, to, um, to inform this, con- this year's convention proceedings on both sides of the aisle, um, you know, in ways we probably haven't seen in many years.
0: Yeah, I uh I remember so the first convention I went to was Boston uh in O four. Um yeah. and uh um but I but my parents were obviously like you know, I, I've been I've been watching political conventions for a really long time. I remember the one i really remember being very successful and exciting and you felt like you know there was definitely you know these that you know we were definitely going to win uh, was the 92 convention with bill clinton and al gore mm-hmm. and um, talk about a storyline i mean i thought the storyline there was just unbelievable um and then you know they kicked at and then you know it ended with a, you know they did a you know i think a you know a bus tour and that's right um But uh, And then uh, 2008. 2008 was a moment I'll never forget, you know, going into, uh, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's Mile High Stadium, what what they call it, but Mile High Stadium in Denver and watching uh, Obama accept the nomination and his speech and just, you know, that whole four-day period was just unbelievable and just was so well told and, you know, everything – you know, from the you know from a spectator standpoint, uh, looked you know like it was unfolding uh, perfectly. Now you you've been a part of conventions in the past. Um, you know, I, I have in terms of sort of helping along you know the the edges. Um, but sometimes it's like you know what happens on TV may look great, but what's going on behind scenes is you know a lot of people don't realize just things that are going on behind the scenes. I remember really very well 2016 in Philadelphia and uh having to you know the the whole situation with WikiLeaks, and we've got this whole convention unfolding and then behind the scenes you've you know we're trying to handle this whole situation with WikiLeaks and the russians and you know it was it was crazy do you have do you have memories of just sort of like those types of like you know everything's going perfectly well on tv but then behind the scenes you know it's like you're putting out multiple fires
1: well it, it's funny you mentioned that about 2008, because um, if you remember, it was very late in the game that they decided to move the final night of the convention outdoors. And, right, and you're right. right. It was a, it was a like a once in a generation moment where the, the excitement about Barack Obama really merited like, you know, like, like how do we just open this up to more people and to the excitement, right, that everybody's feeling. And it was this. It was a really difficult logistical feat to pull off, but it worked. Uh, in 2012, if you remember, uh, they had kind of the same plan it was the, the reelect the Obama reelect in Charlotte and uh, they decided to do the same thing on Thursday night they were going to go outside to a much bigger stadium and as they um, as they got about doing their, planning and they're working, they couldn't really predict the weather. And they thought the weather was going to be fine. And then it ended up like maybe there was going to be lightning. And I have heard so many stories from convention people who I work with now talking about like, you know, hour by hour, they weren't sure if they were going back into the original arena or out to this giant stadium. And one of the things they had done is they had gone ahead and made tickets available for like you know five times as many people so they ended up being if you remember back inside but it was um it was a real planning nightmare and it you know it left a lot of people disappointed who thought they might be able to kind of experience what we did in 08.
0: and from a logistical standpoint i mean you know it's not like you can just make a call within a half hour because unless i don't know maybe they had a stage set up but you know there's a lot of there's a lot of you got to build a stage. You've got to have riser, You've got to have security checkpoint. There's a ton of things that go into that. And, um, especially in a bigger stadium, you know, that, that requires, um, even more, um, uh, human power. So, right. yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Um, and I do remember, and I think I remember it not raining that night. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, um, so, um, Could you just take us through, you mentioned briefly like satellite, these satellite conventions you are thinking about uh, that you guys are going to sort of integrate as part of this larger convention and, you know, sort of the convention in Milwaukee, but the satellite conventions, what do you, how do you envision them?
1: So, you know, I think um, as you're watching this story unfold over four nights in August, right. And uh, whether we're talking about, um, you know, Excuse me. You can imagine, right? Uh, whether we're talking about Vice President Biden's journey and what brought him to this point, or the plans he has, or expanding access,ing access to access to access to health care. As we start to lay that out for the American people, we're going to look across the country and say, you know, like, where, where is a great place that we can lift up, you know, a story or the circumstance in someone's lives to to, to really make that clear to people To really hit that point home and so uh that's what we're doing we're kind of looking out across the country to figure out you know where it is that we can go sometimes with a remote you know to kind of meet somebody or have someone you know tell their story uh or ask their questions uh sometimes it'll be a speaker you know i mean like one of the major speakers will be someplace um other than milwaukee we'll have certainly have a keynote you know anchor speaker every night in milwaukee but other speakers may choose to speak from other locations where the backdrop um you know may have the potential to kind of um you know give more weight to the story that they want to tell uh you know some instances we'll have gatherings and crowds there to watch and other instances we may just have you know um you know a few people with a story to tell. So we're we're kind of, um, we're mapping out the program, uh, you know, in a way that we think will have maximum impact. And then we're just looking out across the country to say, you know, where can we go from Milwaukee uh, to, you know, to, to create a, you know, sort of a greater and more impactful way of telling the story that we have to tell, uh, you know, and then of course, always coming back to Milwaukee as our anchor, because we, you know, we made the decision to be in Wisconsin for a good reason and I I think it still makes good sense that we are you know based in based in Wisconsin when you think about what the path to the White House is going to look like
0: yeah there, there seems to be a lot of opportunities for creativity though um, just sort of here listening to you in terms of the way this format is going to be unfolded um, a lot of a lot of I think unique op- unique stories that you can tell and they don't necessarily you know they may and in, in a way that involves um, a lot of different states, not just the host committee state.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's been such an interesting thing. I think we've all, um, you know, if you go back to when we first started staying at home, I think the first thing that all of us kind of got to see was that um, Lady Gaga concert. Um, And then, you know, sort of week after week, you kind of see there was the CNN graduation and the NFL draft. And you start to see how, uh, you know, in this environment, people are increasingly creative about how it is that they can tell a story and how it is that they can really bring people together, you know, bring people together virtually or in, in very creative and innovative ways. And so... We're learning a lot and, you know, not surprisingly, there has just been an outpouring of really creative people uh, who care about this election and have said, I will do anything and everything, you know, in my power to make sure that this convention, while not what we necessarily thought it was going to be, still, you know, could be something transformative for Vice President Biden.
0: Right, and you know, look to your credit, to the campaign's credit, you didn't abandon Wisconsin like Trump did. You know, Trump abandoned right. North Carolina, uh, and is having his convention in, or I think most of it in Jacksonville. Um yep. And we we are seeing what's happening in Florida right now as a, a, a hot spot for the coronavirus. Um, if if his convention uh, in his speech is anything like what we saw uh, recently in Tulsa or in Arizona, people aren't going to be wearing masks. People are not going to be social distancing. People are going to be inside. It's like a incubator for, for the coronavirus. And so I'd love to, I'd love to hear from you what safety measures the convention will put in place to protect uh, the health of those who will be, uh, on, you know in attendance
1: sure so we brought on board um two epidemiologists uh, uh dr uh ian lipkin and dr larry brilliant uh and um you may have Larry's uh, been on tv a fair amount you may have seen him but um uh, they have been the, the two people who have been consulting with us from the very beginning on this and um you know really challenging us to make sure that we uh, you know, we employ the gold standard in terms of how it is that we screen and test and keep people safe. And it's been a fascinating process for me because uh, even since we started working with them probably, you know, just about a month ago, uh, you know, the circumstances in the public health landscape are change on an almost daily basis. So, you know, we're we're going to do things like screen and test and uh, you know, make sure that uh, when, you know, once people get there, they're, you know, sort of in a, you know, kind of in an envelope that they don't leave, uh, you know, until they're done with their convention business. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're going to have sort of layer upon layer of uh, protocols in place to make sure that, you know, we do everything in our power to, to ensure that people, um, you know, are safe while they're there, and then, you know, are have the opportunity to go back home again. I, I also think that. Um, you know, reducing the number of people to a fraction of what we were thinking of, and and not having the delegates come, uh, means that it will, it will be um, sort of the the audience will be much more local. And I think that that will also, um, you know, the, the, uh, the fact that people won't largely have to fly to be there, and and that we'll keep the numbers down are also going to have a lot to do with, um, you know, what I hope will be a safe experience.
0: Joe, uh, you've you've had uh, a significant number of senior level positions in really important progressive firms. I've mentioned I mentioned at the top the Human Rights Campaign, Emily's List, Planned Parenthood. You're, you have your own firm. You're now the CEO of the DNCC. How would you decide to get into this game? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I was at Planned Parenthood after Cecile Richards left. Uh, I, I had been on the board for a long time, and. Uh, I, I went to work there when Cecile left in the interim to help run the national office until uh, they had picked her s- successor. And I spoke at South by Southwest last year, and and so did Tom Perez, the chair of the DNC. And we had breakfast together, and he 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 asked me, uh, you know, our, our mutual friend Mary Beth Cahill had suggested that he ask me about doing this because she knew that my time at Planned Parenthood was a. it was just a temporary gig and you know he for about an hour he talked all about conventions and Wisconsin and the importance of Wisconsin and the inspired idea to bring it to Wisconsin and by the end of it I thought you know sign me up this sounds like an amazing experience and um and and right there in that moment I made the decision to do it and it was it was less about the job and more I think about his vision and his enthusiasm um, for the potential that this had, you know, to really be, um, a, a, not just sort of a transformative moment for Joe Biden, but also I think an important organizing opportunity in Wisconsin that we could carry forward into November. And, uh, that's the other thing that I really hope we have the opportunity to make sure we do is, you know, leave an infrastructure on the ground and a footprint there that, uh, will work right through November and and prove successful for Democrats there.
0: What was the first campaign you worked on?
1: So when I was in college, I worked on Dukakis' re-election campaign for governor. He ran for re-election in 1986. And that was the first campaign that I ever worked on. And, and then, as I mentioned earlier, worked in the in state government there and a little bit on the presidential. Uh, and then I actually went to work on a Barney Frank's campaign. And I, I, I worked on campaigns probably for... I don't know, five or six years before going to Emily's list in uh, 1993.
0: Uh, And so um, I'm sure you're ready to tell us who the VP uh, pick is going to (laughs) be?
1: Gosh, in in Democratic politics, if you're the guy running the convention, you're really not much in the know on things like that. Although I guess (laughs) at some point, at some point, well, I guess it depends on when he picks, you know, because um, there will be some. Sort of operational reasons for us to know who it is, but um, right. But yeah, I haven't a clue.
0: <laughs> Traditionally, the selection is made very close to the convention. I think yeah. I, I tend to think that the that the, that it's going to be that uh, the vice president will make his selection sooner than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no reason. I don't have any inside info on that, but I just I feel like it seems like for me. I don't know about you, but. This gap, this period of time from the point in which he became the presumptive nominee to the convention, seems like an eternity, right? And it's almost like, yeah. you know, having an opportunity to get another, to get a, you know, a sidekick out there um, who can help, um, you know, both with fundraising and getting after um, uh, Trump and Pence and splitting up the duties and adding even more excitement to the to the campaign seems to me just argues for you know maybe going earlier than uh, years past what what do you think i know you probably can't <laughs> take a position uh, no on this, i look but. i
1: i think that's the well you know the nice thing is since i don't know i can you know i can only speculate which is to say i think that is you know i think that's a that's a view that makes sense i mean it's you know fourth of july is around the corner and then you know it feels like this kind of quick six week sprint from fourth of july till the convention so You know, at some point in between those two, right? Does it create another moment, right? You know, sort of the the uh, unveiling of the nominee because you know it'll be really historic. And I have to believe, um, you know, when I think about the sort of energy that Joe Biden and Barack Obama gave off together, that not only will it be a historic moment in that he will be choosing a woman, but that. You know the, the the two of them together um you know i i i have to believe will be exciting for people because i have to believe that you know biden really understood the power of that with obama it was yeah, sort of to, sort of like clinton and gore you know um, yeah, that yeah there was they, you can see the there's genuine affection
0: yeah that's right yep. there's a genuine effect affection between the two they um they seemed to clearly like each other. It wasn't like some mm-hmm. stage thing, like you kind of saw with Carrie and Edwards. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you're I think you're right about that. Um, so uh, you guys are obviously going to be making a lot of announcements over the next uh, 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 month or uh, month uh, or so. Uh, where should listeners go to keep up to date on what's going on at the convention?
1: Uh, so you know, interestingly enough, um, I the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Online, uh, which is the Milwaukee newspaper, um, is a place that we we have a pretty close working relationship with, and we generally t- uh, you know um, talk with them on a fairly regular basis. And then uh, you know whether um, it's uh, I I I mean like a lot of people, right? Um, you know, I read the playbook every morning and. Um, that's where I tend to find out what's going on as soon as I get out of bed. Um, right. But I, I, I don't know. I, I think that the, um, if you're what's interested your in website? The oh, I'm sorry.
0: It's a uh, dem Okay. Um, yeah. and then do you guys, and then, uh, your Twitter handle for our listener, if, I, I'd love to know your Twitter handle and then yeah. the Twitter handle for the convention. Sure. So my Twitter handle is Jay
1: salmanes. It's, J S O L M O N E S E. Great. Uh, and then um, the uh, demconvention.com dot uh, The um, is uh, I'm looking for the actual it's dem convention. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, D E M convention. Joe Salmanese thank you so much for jumping on the electables we really appreciate it best of luck with um, thank you getting this done uh you're doing <laughs> uh, the Lord's work here uh, I know I, I know how hard it is and um, but we're I'm excited to see how it uh turns out and um it's going to be a, a you know a, a really uh, unique thing and probably about time we reimagined how conventions are done anyway
1: yeah i think that's a really good point i think that as i said that's what we thought about in the beginning and and this is really just kind of forcing us to think even more so so you're right just dem convention or Demconvention.com is where we'll continue to release information as it unfolds and where um you know, people can follow along between now and August
0: 17th. Great. Joe, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Take care. So just a quick message about my producing team. Uh, you know, every every good podcast needs uh, a, a great team of producers, uh, and I've got them with Michael Pelquin and Kenny Day at Airs Next. If you're interested or looking to start your own podcast or video series – get in touch with airs next uh you can reach michael at michael at dot com all one word uh and tell them thornell sent you uh maybe you'll get a discount uh but these are two of the best in the business and they'll help you soup to nuts to get your podcast up uh and on all the right platforms and get it edited correctly and uh get it out there to uh listenership Uh, Once again, that's uh, airsnext, and that is uh, michael at airsnext.com. This is Doug Thornell, and this has been another edition of The Electables. We'll catch you next time.